And you're very welcome to the third uh, episode of uh, the Clash Act podcast with myself, Eddie Scally, and Kilkenny Hurland legend Aidan Taggy Fogarty. Aidan, how are you doing today? Eddie, how are things? Very good. With the with the substitute in Ronnie last week, there he came in. He, he filled the void. He yeah. played very well. Blood sub. Yeah, no fear, Ronnie. Uh, taking over my position anyway. Yeah, I had uh, symptoms of COVID, lads, and I tell you, I was isolating. It was scary. I tell you, uh, you'd be going out and around the place, and until you actually get it, you don't realise what much of an impact it has. Like, in the room for three days, like. No, dinner's outside the door. Uh, it's crazy, crazy. But I came back negative, thank God. Uh, I had all the symptoms, sneezing, uh, coughing, and then my um, taste went. And I was like, definitely have it. But no, turned out negative. So I'm happy enough coming to Perfect. Christmas. And yeah. you feeling a bit better now as well? Ah, yeah, feeling better, Eddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty of sport on the telly over the weekend to keep me uh, occupied as well. So. Ah, no, good stuff, good, good stuff. Delighted. It's important to keep your head right anyway. And That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so look, these times, look, you have to say precautions and that was what I was doing, you know. No, so. no, good stuff, good stuff. Well, we're delighted to have you back anyway, Tag. And... Uh, you correctly predicted the last day on the show we'll probably start off with making a comment about that we were talking at length I suppose about Eddie Brennan's whole incident but uh, we both said that we felt Eddie Brennan wouldn't be out of the game for long and, and, and we were proved right he's he's gone straight into the cooler job training straight back to Cooley yeah yeah. now I think he's gone in as a coach as far as I know because the manager is uh, from Cooler, and he's going to be manager there so he's gone in as a coach in capacity I'd say so that is a big coup for Cooler. Yeah, it's massive. And I see the guy that was working in Eddie's backroom team has gone into Wexford now as training with the Wexford team replacing Bugler. Yes, uh, corner back from Dublin. That's right, he's a Galway-born lad. Galway-born, yeah, yeah. I actually marked him. Niall, Niall, I can't think of his second name. It's not O'Donoghue, is it? No, it's not Niall O'Donoghue, no. Uh, I, I, know the, I know the lads yeah, are around about... Galway-man, I know, but moved down to Dublin. And uh, he's gone into, yeah, the Wexford backroom team. I don't know where that came out of. How does the, the, the Davy know him? Oh, he was, I don't know, is he... Special coach or what's the story is? Don't know. I, like I was surprised when I seen it. I just I knew Davy was going to have to freshen things up in Wexford, and he's doing it. And it seems to be happening right across the right across the country at the moment. They're they're freshening up everywhere. Niall Corker. Niall yeah, Corker. Just that's it. there. Yeah, Niall Corker. Yeah, good hurler. Yeah, decent fella. Yeah. Um, freshen up his backroom team. Yeah. Um, apparently they're nearly back on gym programs down there. Um, so the word in the streets down in Wexford is. Yeah, well, the only thing I would say, Tag, is we haven't confirmed when the Hurling Championship is going to start next year. And that could be, I don't know what type, like we spoke about a little bit last week, the club championships being condensed, that you had you know, a four-week, five-week programme to get going, and you were straight into the Championship Hurling. I, I, it was something I meant to say to you last week when we were talking about it. I got no injuries with my club team this year. Well, very little. There was no major injuries as such. We, we the player lost the top of a finger, all right. But other than that, you know, the usual hamstring strains, things like that. We got away with it. I knew you were carrying a knock early in the championship, were you? Yeah, I was carrying a knock early in the championship. That's probably my age, Eddie, so I can't really uh, I can't really make an excuse for that. But we didn't actually pick up many injuries either. And the thing at the time was that all these players are going to come out with COVID, bang in the championship and pick up all these knocks. But we actually didn't. Which no, but I'm just wondering if you had trained, like if you take the Wexford Hurling team now, if they're back training today, this is the first or second week in December, mm. and just say the championship doesn't start till next July. Well, RTE released some sort of a programme that they're playing the league from February to end of April and I think club then roughly around May to September and inter-county then from September on. That's a rough kind of a schedule. I've seen that somewhere along the lines on the yeah, social media. I heard somewhere. that suggested that that's the route that we're going to take, that the club championships will be played first yeah. again and then in the latter part of the year play the county championships. And I think that's going to happen because I was listening to Horn on the late, late there Friday night and he was saying they're putting clubs first. They had a massive successful year in the club scene as we spoke about already how successful yeah. it was. So he was saying club are coming first. So I think it's going to be club in the summertime and hurling then towards the end of the year again. But how do you face into it? I want you to imagine your 23-year-old Aidan Taggy Fogarty. Brian Cody's giving you the text tag you're in the panel again of a miracle, really. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to start training in December for a hurling championships that's not going to start till September. 
Yeah, you see, now the whole thing is flipped on its head there. Um, because inter-county managers now is going to be a really long year on them. They're starting in December, January, December probably. Yeah. Right? They're going to get programmes. So for them, <laughs> the whole thing is to keep the whole life in the team, keep the drive and all that side of things. It's going to be very difficult. And especially, right, because you're, you're doing strength and conditioning to a really massively high level. You have everybody, nutrition, you have dietitians, all in the backroom team for January, February, March. Next thing you go back to the club, and no matter what kind of club you go back to, there's going to be a dip. Do you know, we've often seen that we went back to clubs for two or three weeks after semi-finals and stuff. We came back in the first night's training and it was absolutely useless. It was crap. Called us in said, lads, it's not worth it. And, you know, not until about two training sessions after you get back up to speed of the thing. So they're going to do all this pre-season training. Then they're going to go to the clubs in the summertime. And then they're going to come back then around September and they're going to go through into a big high-tempo championship. So it's a very difficult one to manage. Yeah, I just, for me, I just can't see how anyone thinks. You take... Take a racehorse, for example. If you're going to train a horse to win a Grand National, you're not going running that horse over four miles in January when you wanted to win the Grand National in, 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 in April. Likewise, marathon runners. You don't see any marathon runners going out running 26 kilometres on a on a Saturday morning to prepare for the marathon next Saturday. And I just can't understand. I don't see the logic in training a team. And I think there's a lovely thing about this this thing I, I find and I want and I see it in pairs is hunger. Like You want them to be mad to go. Like There's some nights of training I turn around and say, right, you know what? There's no real buzz off this. I'll take the ball out of training and we leave them run for about 10 minutes. And the lads will know. Yeah. I'm just sick of looking at this shite. The yeah. boys are dragging their hurls behind them. Take the ball out. We'll do a few sprints. Next thing they come back in, Taggy delays going for a ball and the hurl's broken his back. And next thing the game starts going, you know. And I don't know how you keep, and I don't mean keep the interest, but it's it's nearly keep the interest. How the hell do you keep them focused for, for 11 months? A lot of these teams are going to be told, stay off the drink and don't yeah. Yeah. 11 months yeah come on it, it, you can't be asking teams that now the only thing about that is it's inter-county and it's the elite level and anyone that's playing inter-county at elite level now times have changed a small bit they just love playing hurling they want to play they want to play county for whoever you're playing for the Kenny's and the Tips and the Corks and all this so that motivation is there to kind of right I'm going after the club I'm going back into an environment that I'm going to be really tested in and I want to succeed if you're playing hurling if you're playing hurling at a high level if you want to succeed at hurling or football or whatever the case may be you want to play at the bigger end of the, at the table so I would think that yeah it's day to day but in the back of your mind September is probably coming that's what's probably going to be in the players minds and I guess, look, we've seen Brian Cody saying if you're playing well at, at club level, you see um, uh, Mayo uh, footballers, they brought in a lot of club lads that played well during the year as well, made a big difference to the Mayo squad. So maybe there might be more, more opportunity for club guys to get back into inter-county panels. Yeah, hopefully, and I, and I, do, I, I do think that will be the case. I think in Kilkenny, I love the idea, I said it to you the last day we were talking, I love the idea of club matches being played, yeah. the likes of Brian and the background team watching the game, seeing lads performing, calling them into the panel. Wexford back training in December, still think it's a bit too early but look remains to be seen maybe maybe Davy knows better than maybe, us maybe yeah maybe he was, he's down there anyway and <laughs> sure, we're, we're, we're sure not he, down there we're he might here. text us he might text us during the week and say lads you have it wrong but uh, we don't know yeah. but Tag we, we kick into the football first before we, we talk about this weekend's All-Ireland finals in both Hurland and Camogie but yeah, we had two, two really good football semi-finals at the weekend um, no big shocks I'd say was no there no big shocks Eddie uh, look you are dead right on your prediction of me oh hammer and tip anyway because uh, they, they did get a hammer and of course look we're going back to the, the Dublin conundrum again of what you said of where do we go at Dublin football yeah it's it's it's, it's a big one like watching the two games the, the, the two biggest things I got from it Mayo 
Mayo, Mayo are just, they really are a lovely football team to watch. They play really good football. I was so happy to see Tom Parsons coming on as a sub. His leg injury a couple of years ago was the most horrific thing I've ever seen. And my kids were actually sitting beside me watching the match. And, and one of the young lads, when I seen Tom Parsons coming on, I started clapping. And the young lad said to me, do you know him, Dad? And I said, no. And I brought it up on my phone. Because it's there for the world to see. If you Google Tom Parsons, you're looking at his knee bent out back the yeah. back of his leg was, oh, unbelievable and he was told he'd, he'd struggle to walk again yeah. you know without a limp and here he is coming out two, two years later coming out midfield in Crow Park in an All-Ireland semi-final like it was yeah. uh, it was brilliant and that was the second biggest thing of the weekend but for me the Mayo football team as much as they are brilliant to watch and everything else Killian O'Connor is just an exceptionally talented kid like he's, he's, he's at the end of his career now he's been underrated all the time I don't even on Sunday I listened to the pundits on the Sunday game actually saying on, on during the match actually saying oh he's you know he doesn't deliver all the time and he kind of slips through like he's after weighing in with over 60% of all of Mayo's scores in this year's championship he whacked in 4-9 4-9 in an All-Ireland football semi-final it's unheard of and I can tell you as good as Dublin are Dublin's weakest line is their full back line and they're coming up against Killian O'Connor, Aidan O'Shea, and that young Conroy guy who's been an absolute revelation Four this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, if I'm Desi Farrell, who's a novice manager, I, I, I'd be really, really, really nervous about meeting them. But the big conundrum everyone's thrown out this week is do we split Dublin in two? I bet you we won't be having that conversation in two weeks' time when Mayo beat them in the All Ireland final. Yeah, uh, right. That's a big statement, Eddie. Uh, <laughs> Mayo are going to beat Dublin. The I, th- final? I, I think they will. I think, mm. and I, th- I tell you why. I think Mayo are going to win. And even if they don't, I think first and foremost, Killian O'Connor is going to get footballer of the year. That, that's that's to it's me. Funny, just go back to Killian O'Connor, right? Um, and I've heard that as well before. He's not a big game player. Um, when Mayo aren't going well, he doesn't perform. What like is there? Is that true? Like I've seen Killian O'Connor. Like obviously the last day scoring four nine, but they're playing Tipperary. They're sixteen points up. Okay, I've also seen Killian O'Connor playing against a Dublin or a Donegal and not playing well. Is he is he the top class player in the in the in the games that Mayo aren't going well in? He is like. If Mayo aren't going well, it's because Killian O'Connor is not going well. If Mayo yeah. are going well, it's because he's going well. He does pull all the strings. Now, he takes an awful lot of hardship in games. Off the ball, like like I've been to Crow Park and I've sat and I've watched games and I've watched players sometimes as well. Killian O'Connor takes an awful lot of hardship on a pitch. Um, he is without question Mayo's best footballer. Um, his free taking and, and sometimes like and I was guilty of it myself when I played the free taker gets a handy number sometimes and Killian O'Connor <laughs> takes said that. I took free that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's you know like I, I've seen it with teams I remember uh, O'Donoghue when he took over Galway he took Joe Canning off the freeze um, it was the first thing he did for a year yeah. uh, he took Joe Canning off the freeze and it was because Joe Canning was coming off the field with 14 points scoring one from play and it was totally acceptable Do you reckon Joe, that was the reason or was like was there better players to take freeze? Than Joe Canning, yeah. No, um, I think I, I don't believe there is a better free taker than Joe Canning. But I, I think no, maybe there was like Jason Flynn. I think maybe it's Flynn, first. excellent. Yeah, yeah, he's a top class free taker. But like, like a tag when you were playing, did you? Did, I don't know because I didn't take frees, but I did play on a team where I felt my free taker wasn't carrying the same workload as I was carrying. <laughs> I'll be honest, you know, at well, forward. Two, uh, yeah, in my opinion, there's two types of free takers. There's the type of free taker that swaggers up with white boots on and uh, tells everyone to go out of the way and puts the ball over the bar, right? There's That's one free taker. And there's the other type who is an all-round team player and he's putting in the graft as well. Uh, free taker, it's like, it, it's it, for me, free taking never really was a, a thing for me to get into the match. I'd be hoping that I'd be playing in the match already. I'd be contributing and freeze was, no, it was a bonus. It was a job for me to do and I was able to do it. 
Uh, it wasn't a thing that it was going to get me into the match. Now I can understand that statement, but they should be playing well from play anyway. No, I, I agree. But I think what, what, now I don't know because I, I wasn't in Michael, I don't know who's either. You know, you, I can't tell you exactly, but what yeah. I did feel was happening at the time was, let's take Joe off the freeze and let's get him to contribute. Killian O'Connor with Mayo, he takes the freeze, but the freeze he's kicking, like he's kicking football freeze from 70 yards without breaking sweat. Like, and mm. Dean Rock and him are two exceptional free takers that don't miss. So, Killian Connor has the school set up though for a free take. No, he, he <laughs> He's missed out on a trick there. I suppose, I suppose the population of Mayo would <laughs> yeah. struggle a little bit there. Uh, yeah. If he had the Dublin population, he'd help. But it, it does, if you look at the Dublin team, uh, Gaelic football has completely changed. It, it's not It's not like when I played. It's it's completely changed now. They don't have positions. Um, the young merchant guy was listed as cornerback for Dublin in the Cavan match. And it was, when I watched back on the Dublin game, I was looking to say, right, how would you line up to beat Dublin? And, and what was happening was Dublin have... They have three players to play in the full back line. Now, I'm not saying that's the full back line, yeah. but at all times, there's a goalkeeper and there's three players in the full back line. And then there's a sweeper in front of that. And then everyone else is an attacking player. So Dublin are way forward. And it doesn't matter if it's a cornerback or a full back that's gone. There's just four people that hold that back line and to keep it tight. So when they play Mayo next week, you're going to see three man markers, Conroy, O'Connor and O'Shea, three of them being man marked and a sweeper, probably Merchant, sitting in front of them. Now, if Merchant goes and runs, somebody else will sweep in and cover that hole straight away. So they'll always have that safety net. When you set out against a team like Cavan, who say, right, and let's be honest, uh, Cavan will disagree with me, but they're wrong. Cavan set up not to get hammered. They wanted not to be hammered. They didn't. They didn't believe they were going to win the All Ireland semi final because they didn't set up give themselves any chance of winning. Yeah, and I kind of agree with that. Now I agree to the extent that reading interviews afterwards. You can nearly read through the interview that they never gave themselves a chance. You know, I could read between the lines between all the players and what they were saying. And I think one the, the manager called them the the Guardiola Barcelona of of all all this. Like you can't be saying them things, right? If you're trying to if you're trying to be the Dublin. But what I would say is that Kevin did try everything. They tried to isolate the full back line, the double full back line, which you said it was a yeah. weakness. They brought out the full forward, out the field, left two inside. They drove a lot of high ball in. McManaman came on and just boxed it out of the way, and Cluxton was just catching it as well. Uh, then they tried to play it out towards the wings, out towards, out towards expansive football, is what they call it, and Dublin were able to handle that. And then they tried to push up on them, and they still weren't able to handle it. Is it the case that Dublin has all these tricks in their boot, or is just they have 17, 18, 19 exceptional players in all positions? Dublin, Dublin definitely have probably 30 exceptional yeah. players in every position. Um, there's no question about that. But the other thing that I would say to you about Cavan, Cavan, Cavan are they're an okay team. Um, like Westmead, my own county, would be the team that got closest to beating Dublin this year in the championship because we only lost by 10 points which is tragic to say um, but that's the closest anyone's gotten to Dublin would Westmead beat Cavan? I don't think they would I think no. you know I think our Dublin getting better but I, I just feel Mayo aren't going to set up to play against Dublin and say right we're, we, we don't think we can win against Dublin like and I don't mean I'm not encouraging dirt in, in any sport but where was the big hits? Where's the belts gone? They're after hitting the nail on the head. They did not lay a hand on Dublin. Dean Rock did not get a shoulder, did not get a push off the ball. It was just, and it was a nice game of football to look at. And I guarantee you, Mayo will be coming in. And as you said, we're not condoning dirt, but you have to be physical. You have to be in their face. You have to block the runs. Look, it's sport. It's GA. It's football. It's a tough man's game. That's what you have to be. No, it's it's hundred percent. I said it to Ronnie last week, and he he laughed at me, and he said, "Jesus, you know, I think you're." I said, "There's two friendlies going to be played for before the All Ireland final. Mayo are going to be playing Tip in a friendly, and 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 Dublin are playing Cavan in a friendly. And it's it's a big thing. And in fairness to Tipperary, 
you know, fair juice to them. They had a great they year. Went hard, in fair, they did. No, I think they fairness, went hard. They, were, they were so unlucky early in the game. Oh. They could have had a couple of goals early in play. Quinlivan missed the... Oh, definitely. It was a guilt edge chance. It would have been a different game, I felt, but Mayo would have, would have won the game anyway. But oh, yeah. I felt it would have been a different game. Like, they had to get them two early chances. They would have been six points to one up. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's different. Well, that, was, that was a massive thing in the first half. Like, I, I, I rode off the second half. I can honestly tell you, I rode off that second half. I was... I was. It took every bit of a motivation I had to watch the second half. The fog was getting thicker. The Mayo team was going through the motions. I could see the Mayo manager on the line, and all he was thinking about was, "Don't pick up an injury. Don't pick but up sure, an he injury." He took off O'Connor. He yeah, made, he made a lot of um, substitutions, and I was I, like, "You'd read through the paper during the week. They were saying, oh, 'Oh, you'd be a worry about Mayo.' Now, the thing I'd be worried about Mayo with Dublin is the first two goal chances because the game yeah. is in the melting pot. There, right? You should not be allowing easy chances like that happen. In the second half, with all the players being taken off. Intensity drops. You're winning by 16, 17 points. The same drive is not there. I don't care what it is. They say Dublin have it. I'm not so sure. They're just they're just very good and they just keep going at it. But Mayo definitely took the, the, their foot off the gas. But it, they were opening up earlier on, and that's what I would be worried about. Yeah, no, it's 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 it's, it's definitely it's definitely something that they have to be working on hard this week. If if Tipperary are opening it up like that, Dublin yeah. will. Now, I'm, I, I kind of say in jest that I think Mayo will win the All-Ireland. I, I genuinely hope they do. I think it'll be damn close. Um, and it, there's no reason why they can't win the All-Ireland. Would Aidan O'Shea make the Dublin team? Yes, he, yes, would. he would. Killing O'Connor would make that Dublin team. I'd say the young Conroy lad would make the Dublin team. Yeah. Um, there's a few players out the, out midfield there um, just looking at some of the lads that are there on, on the team. Patrick Durkin, Conor Loftus. Like, they all have a really good football team and and in fairness they're probably the best football team they've ever had oh, and, definitely. and they're probably like say Dublin's taken all the limelight but they'd probably be a legendary team if Dublin weren't there like they'd probably have three or four Irelands possibly yeah Do you no, know if, if you look at that but the, the way I think the Irelands going to be really tight as well but the way Mayo play is probably different towards most teams that played Dublin in, in the past Mayo played this press game so they push right up even for the kickouts that's where Tipperary were beating a lot of it. They, they scored, Mayo scored 3-6 from <clears> turnovers. <throat> and that was from just pressing up on kickouts. You see the kickout where he lobbed it back across the goalie and just Keelan Connor lobbed it back into the net. They just pressed really, really high, but that leaves them vulnerable at the back. But I think that that pressing moment will actually upset Dublin a lot more than just standing off and letting them get the ball, letting them play through the lines. And next thing, having this big blanket on the 60-yard line that they won't be able to get around because Dublin just keep the ball, keep possession. They don't care if they're like 10 minutes without a score, 15. They'll just keep it in hand and they'll try try get the score at the right time. But if you press up on them and really put them up the pressure up front on up in their back line, I think that's where they struggle. Yeah, I I think I think you are right because they do. You can't. There's one thing's for sure. You're not going to run the ball from your full back line to the full forward line in Crow Park for a whole match. It's, it's you physically have to work it out through the lines. And I I watched the Dublin Cavan game the other night, and the first thing that struck me in my head was. If I was taking over Gaelic football tomorrow morning, if I was the king of the GEA and I was allowed to change one rule, I'd put in a shot clock. I'd actually put in a 90-second shot clock in Gaelic football. Oh, what do you mean a shot clock? That you get a ball, the ball's kicked out. Like basketball? 100%. I'd do something because I watched... And uh, is that to defeat the dubs or is that for the betterment of football? It's to make it a bit more exciting as a spectacle. Yeah. Stand there and watch. Like in a hurling match, I, I had an argument with a, with a coach. Well, it wasn't an argument. We had a discussion. It was an argument. Like, right. You were my involved, problem was, in hurling, Every there was a back pass played in the hurling match the other day. Somebody struck a ball back to the goalkeeper. I would say that that was the first Galway. Galway played a back pass back to their <laughs> goalkeeper, Galway. right? It was, and their goalkeeper wasn't having the best day at distribution. <laughs> oh, I can oh. tell you, he's not the best distribution. No, his distribution. He'd yeah. had better days, but they played a back pass to him. 
Now you were playing hurling a long time. Mm. When was the last time you seen a cornerback getting a ball on the touchline, turning and striking it to the goalkeeper? It's coming into the game more often, but it's a dangerous, dangerous thing to do. I would never do it. I'd never tell anyone to do it. And the whole thing is, do not play it across your square. Right now, in Gaelic football, I watched Dublin getting the ball into the corner forward position. Dean Rock had it, and twenty five seconds later, a move was still going on. But now they're out the halfway line, mm. and it was being hand passed and hand passed and hand passed. And I said, "Put a shot clock in, yeah. or even once you get inside the sixty five, do something." Should make it exciting. It absolutely would. Now the other, thing, the other thing I did notice, and again, I'm going to sound like a total headbanger, Neanderthal here. <laughs> when was the last time a good belt was fired in a Gaelic football match? Like. Uh, even in the hurling championship, there's been it's been a good championship. But when was the last melee? Is it is it because of COVID? Are the lads afraid they'll catch COVID <laughs> to go in and start pulling the heads off each other? Sure, or? this is the statement. Sure, will you go in and tackle him? He hasn't got COVID for God's sake. Yeah, this it, is what you hear through the club scene all during the year. But, but have you seen it? Like, yeah, I mean, no, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, no, hurling it's got it looks as if it's gone nice, but it's all this playing through the lines. How many more of these 50-50 balls is actually being played? Because it's all about percentages. It's all about playing the ninety percent rate of. I'll win that ball 90% of the, ten- of the time. How many times has it been laid down 50-50 on top of people or in between people? Yeah, in puckouts it has been done, but say when you're in possession and up the field, it's more play to the hand, run to the lines, man off the shoulder. So I suppose tackles isn't as going to be as they were in the past. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's something I'd... You're probably 100% right. It, it, I still think if I was, if I was the Mayo manager... I'd love to be the Mayo manager right now actually to face into Dublin but I would say to him the first chance you get when you see that little merchant lad coming out absolutely fool him the minute he hits that ball you make sure that every inch of your body someone like Aidan O'Shea comes in and goes straight through him and then the Dublin lads will react they'll come in because that's the way the Dublin teams do yeah. you know Johnny don't hit Mick Owen Franco and they all come running from <laughs> everywhere and then let's gloves off lump off each other for four or five minutes and then have a game of ball and yeah, it, I, that'd, that'd be I, I think I, I agree I think hit, hit them uh, I think go at them now look water went to hit us in 2008 and their whole mentality was wrong because that's all they did they went out to just hit us but I think Mayo are more, are more um, they've been in their learns before so they're more experienced so I, I definitely agree with that Yeah, I just think I just think if you get a couple of belts I'm not saying do it for the whole match just the first five or six minutes yeah, let them know look, let it settle down like yeah, yeah. Don't, don't do this. let them know you're playing the game on our terms today now We're, and the runners I know there's, there's a black card and runners and all that but you don't have to like, hit them off the wall but, but just stand in front of them don't let the runners run Like get into their faces let them know that they're in a match here and it's not going to be easy no 100% well look we'll, we'll skip off the football the football final is on in a couple of weeks time and we'll skip off the football there now and we'll, we'll switch your attention I suppose we'll start obviously with the two who's been based in Kilkenny we'll start on the Camogie All-Ireland Finals which are coming up on Saturday night um, and we're going to Give Kay Kelly a shout, bring Kay Kelly in on this there, yeah. uh, the Wexford Camogie star. So I'm delighted to be joined on the line there now by uh, Wexford uh, Camogie, former Wexford Camogie legend, Kay Kelly. Kate, how are you doing? Good evening. Good evening, uh, Eddie Taggy. Good. Kate, how are you? Kate, Kate, we're just kind of building up towards the All-Ireland Camogie final on, on Saturday. Um, it's looking like it's going to be a very exciting game between Kilkenny and Galway and... Seven Taggy just wanted to kind of pick your brain. You were you were down in at the semi-finals last week. You were down in Parky Quay for both games, and I'm just wondering how do you see this game going? What way do you see it faring out? Yeah, I suppose look at Kilkenny this year. A lot of people would have given Cork the, the thumbs up to you know overcome Kilkenny. They had everything going in their favour. They had the tougher matches leading into the game. You'd have to say where did Kilkenny, um, you know, kind of get themselves up to that real you know intense match a match day and overcome Cork and I think you know you'd have to applaud Kilkenny they've lost about five players off their panel from last year big names like Michelle Quilty Casey Power Edwina Keane and like they've a lot of new players on the field 
um, this year that weren't actually playing in the semi-final last year. So I think that you could feel that sense of hunger in the Kilkenny team and when they got a sniff, when they got back at Cork, you'd have to say they had the drive and the eagerness and the hunger. And uh, I wouldn't be writing them off in any way against Galway. I think all the pressure is with Galway. So I, I kind of think that Kilkenny are kind of in the same situation they are coming in against Cork. They won't have the same surprise element, but I definitely think they w- they have a great chance to the All-Ireland on Saturday evening. Yeah, Kate, you said you're down, down at the game there. You're saying... Um... <laughs> Uh, Cork started very well there's one three's no score um, after about 10 minutes would that be a worry for Kilkenny that slow start going into the All-Ireland final or would you think that is just a lack of kind of practice matches that they would have had because of Covid Yeah I think Taggy to be honest definitely I think the, you know maybe it was just that 10-11 minutes they needed to get up to that match pace like if you look at the three games they had leading into that they had won them so comfortably and it took them that little bit longer to get up to that match intensity. So I think more so it maybe it was the way the championship was this year. Um, their, their best match practice was probably against themselves within training. So I wouldn't really fear it. I think they'll, they'll have worked on that in the last two weeks. Definitely to say that, you know, they'll need to, you know, get on top of that for the next day and try not to let that be something they have to claw back. And Kate, just like you, you would have a lot of experience of playing against Galway. Like they're going into the game as All Ireland champions, they'll they'll more than likely be favourites as well for the game. Um, I just I just watched the way Galway set up the last day with Neve Kilkenny at wing forward. Um, like like Kilkenny last year in the All Ireland final, they started very slow against against Galway. Galway got a couple of goals early in the game and it kind of killed them off. Would you would you see matchups like you know is there very important matchups that Kilkenny, that Kilkenny are going to need to get right? The likes of say Aoife Dunn and Neve Kilkenny, uh, Carrie Dolan. Like what way do you see it? Do you think it'll be tactical that way that, that Kilkenny need to get these matchups right? I think there is a few key key players on the Galway um, team that they, they probably need to. No, not let them dominate. Like last year, you could see Neve Kilkenny had huge influence on the All Ireland. Like she really got into her stride. Aoife Donoghue did in in the final, but more so in the league final against Kilkenny last year in Crow Park. She really got into her stride. So I think it would be important for Kilkenny to keep the likes of those players, you know, quiet because they can have a huge impact on a game. Um, I, I feel around the middle third, they need to be be dominant around around the middle of the field and drive it on from there and. They are quite strong across the half-forward line and you could see the way they played last week against Cork and the girls were doing a good bit of rotating in the forwards like Denise and Anne. While Denise was lined out in the full-forward line, you could see her dropping into the half-forward line, half-back line, her own half-back line. Same with Anne, they were picking up balls and they were able to get forward. So I, I do think they'll have to, you know, dominate there a little bit and not let the likes of Neil Kilkenny Aoife who get into their stride and obviously the likes of Sarah Durvin drives and leads from full back that's an important position as well Yeah and Kate obviously look they're, they're playing Galway for the, the second year in a row this is their fifth All-Ireland on the trot they've lost the, the three in a row now I'm talking about Kenny obviously uh, Galway beat them last year as well just from a mentality perspective do you think them losses in our Ireland finals are a hindrance or would they hold you back or would there be more pressure on you or do you think they'll give more motivation to get over Galway like do you know if they're losing the match is the mentality there to say oh not again kind of thing or do you think this Kilkenny's mentality has changed um, with Brian Dowling and stuff being involved for the last two years or does, does, does that have an effect on an Ireland day? Uh, I, I, I'm, it's, it's, it's a tough one to answer to be honest Taggy I'm the kind of person that looks forward and tends not to look back and 
I sometimes think that hurt drives you on that bit more. And I think if you're in within a sniff of it in the last 10 minutes, I think that that drive them on. Plus, I think they've a good few things in their favour. Look, you'd have to applaud Kilkenny. They're good enough. They've been in it for the last five, six, seven years. That tells its own story, that they are good enough to be there. They are up with the best. And I think they just need to believe it. And sometimes I think a change in voice might just be the little bit to get you over the line. Like when we, in 2007, when we won our first All-Ireland, like like in the five years before that, we were there, thereabouts, just couldn't get over the line. And it was actually the change in voice the next year that all of a sudden something clicked and we got over the line. And, and sometimes that's it. And you'd have to look at the backroom team at Kilkenny, like Brian Dowling, Billy Larkin, Pat O'Neill, Tommy Shefflin, none of them are strangers to winning in Crow Park. Like, um, look at the experience and the mentality they're going to bring. I'm not saying that Anne and the team didn't either, but sometimes that little shift in management might just be the trick um, to get you over the line. Like, all the work, the team is there, I've no doubt. And I'd, I'd like to think they'll use it as a, a driving and that hunger. And I think I saw that in them against Cork the last day. They didn't, they didn't let go. Yeah, no, um, for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm kind of the same there. I think that hunger and the emotion of losing their learning finals is a, is a is a key factor. Yeah. So if you're looking at it, uh, Galway obviously beat Tip one eleven to eight points. Kilkenny had the, probably the tougher side of the draw, probably a tougher game coming in the Ar- to the All Ireland. How do you see it going? Do you reckon Kilkenny can get over the line, or do you just think Galway are too strong? I I do feel that Galway are very strong and they have a very strong bench. Um, I. I I, I still think that Kilkenny just have that little bit of hunger this year that, that you know, was against Cork. They gave that um, huge performance. I think Galway, they're physically strong. They're, they're a huge panel and there's huge competition for places off the bench. Um, but I didn't see the hunger in them the last day. Their, their, point, their, their performance against Tip probably was a little bit, um, you know, you couldn't feel that hunger from their performance and maybe that was what they needed um, for the game on Saturday night so I think it'll be only a point or two in it and I think coming down the finish line if Kilkenny are within that point or two I think they'll have the hunger to get over the line if not you know I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw that's massively sitting yeah. on a fence there, Kate. Go <laughs> yourself. <laughs> take take no chances. No, but I'd say you're you're 100 right. I think it's it's probably is going to be a, a one point game either way. There, there, there was one other thing that we were chatting about uh, before we got you on the phone, Kate. Was we were just looking at earlier in the week different things that went on in sport and in the GEA in general. But you know, it'd be remiss of us not to talk about it. Um, the, the, the Galway senior football team, the, the the ladies football team, were down to play Cork in an All Ireland semi final on Sunday in Parnell Park. Um, as you're obviously well aware, and the game was postponed or called off the moved venues because of a frozen pitch. Um, from there, from that point on, it seems a bit clouded what went on or what happened. And I suppose, can, can we just get your own take on, on what went on in the day? And maybe myself and Taggy might ask you a few questions on it yourself or what you thought yourself went on or how it happened even. Yeah, look, at, I, I believe they were, um, the original fixture was to be in Limerick uh, pending that the, the senior men weren't in an All-Ireland final which was probably a little bit uh, vague to leave it given the year um, and the last couple of years that um, uh, Limerick have had, the chances of them being in All Ireland was probably um, very high. The move to Parnell Park, um, the pitch was frozen so the match couldn't go ahead there and they moved it at really short notice to Crow Park. Now, I understand like every player wants to play in Crow Park, but 
I think, and that's the big part, like, of course, you would love to play in Crow Park and all that. But at the end of the day, if you're training all year and the year that's gone by, you didn't know there was championships, there's going to be championships. Like, a lot of those county players have been minding themselves all year for an opportunity to be in an All-Ireland semi-final, regardless. So I just think, like, for me as a player, I think on a big day like that in your career of playing, it's important that those, you know, um, controllables should be controlled and they shouldn't be the things that are changing that much and I just think for the players and you know preparation I think it was disappointing that at such short notice the game was changed if the game had been changed and there was an extra hour or two given in the change um, I suppose you'd say fair enough but the game was changed and it was brought forward by half an hour which I think was a huge you know impact on both teams obviously Corker winners they don't have as much an issue but um, you'd have to say, like it was an All Ireland semi final. It, it's a tough, it's a tough one when things go wrong for you. Yeah, absolutely, Kate. And look, we all in agreement that the whole thing was an absolute terrible mistake. Um, I'll just pick you up on the point there that the, the venue, um, Limerick was fixed for the for it to be the venue originally. And next thing, it was kind of said that if Limerick don't get through to the All Ireland final, then you can have the pitch. That's this is the way that I'm hearing it. Um, but obviously Limerick are in the Ireland final. It was their right to probably train on the on on the pitch. It was their probably last day in daylight to train as as a team. So that, that obviously when Limerick won that All Ireland semi final, that decision should have been made that Monday. That right, Limerick is not available. What's next? And this probably comes underneath the head in that like the LGFA is not actually part of the GEA association. Am I right in saying that? Hundred percent. And same with Camogie and. I think that's, that's where a lot of the issue is. And there was an interesting podcast with Liam O'Neill this week, um, you know, about integrating the three associations because realistically, you know, the, the LGFA and the Camogie is really dealing with the ladies' side of our population and the GA is dealing with the men's side of the population. And we're all still using the same facilities and rightly so because the GA and all those facilities were developed by families, not just by the male side of the families, but by all. And I think it's it probably come a time where it really should be amalgamated and there shouldn't be, you know, kind of a, could we could we please use your pitch? And, and you know, if the decision is made, it should be upheld. And, you know, I, I think it's time to maybe move forward from all three associations and try and make that, you know, better for our generations that are coming. Yeah, so, so the GEA, you have the LGFA, and then you have the Camogie Association. So the Camogie Association and the LGFA are different parties as well. So they're not even under the, underneath the one umbrella. And I thought, was it a, was it a couple of years ago, um, I don't know what GA president it was, but he was he, he tried to amalgamate it. And am I right in saying that the LGFA refused it because they thought to be left in the in the corner or in the dark shadows of the GEA and they actually refused to go back into the under GEA heading? I, I, I'm not exactly privy to the information, but I do believe there was some negotiations around that and that uh, I suppose the LGFA had concerns. It's not for me to say that they were adamantly against it because it wasn't part of that but I think that's what's coming across that they were nervous about the amalgamation and the integration and and maybe didn't push forward on you know taking that approach um, uh, to amalgamate which I, I think it really needs to be reviewed again and looked at and um, you know from both both all parties, not both, but all three parties. And Kate, like it's 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 all well and good. Like we all agree 
like yourself, myself, Tag, we, we're all agreeing a hundred percent that the the three organisations should be all under the one umbrella. Um, personally, I think, I think it's a travesty. I I know Taggy is, is making this point, and it's a fair point that the Limerick pitch was the first pitch used. I think the minute the Limerick Association came back to the LGFA and said. If Limerick gets the All Ireland final, you'll have to get an alternative venue. I think they should have went looking for an alternative venue straight away because there was a bloody good chance that Limerick were going to get the All Ireland hurling final. So they should have. Now, this is just my own opinion. I'm not having a pop at anyone, but I think at that point, it'd be like me saying to you, Can I borrow your car? And you said, mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'm not using it on Thursday, you can borrow it, but I'd, I'd probably look for another car. Um, you know, and, and that's number one, I think, is something that we missed out. And number two is it's all, it's, it's great that we, like, we all feel it, but that these should all amalgamate. But there's massive stumbling blocks in stopping these associations amalgamating. Um, the GEA themselves, like they're fairly, it's a fairly totalitarian control that they have over everything that they rule already. And is there a fear that if the Ladies Gaelic Football comes under that umbrella and the Camogie Association comes under that umbrella, that that maybe, maybe you'd be swallowed up a small bit inside in that big, big, big pond. And I don't mean that being, being wrong now and just being, you know, genuinely wondering, is that a, is that a fear as well? I would believe that that probably is a fear as well because obviously there's a lot more on the male side of the GA than there is in ladies. Um, but I suppose like we have to look forward. Like there's a lot more equality. You know, the world has evolved a lot. Like you know, golf was originally set up men only. Um, like we are, ladies' sport is out there. It is big. Like we should be getting to a point that if a fixture like I'll give you an example. If um, the Munster final was fixed for Gaelic, the Gaelic grounds and Limerick were in Ireland, um, All-Ireland and Munster GA had fixed the game for that pitch, would Limerick GA have been able to say to them, well, actually, you're not having it, we're training on it? No, uh, well, I would imagine 100% they wouldn't um, have been able to say it. Um, and I and I think you're right. The, the, the you know the, the Munster GEA would have, would have made the call, but I still think Munster GEA would have said, you know, that they would have looked for a pitch that wasn't going to be involved. Possibly, yeah. yes, I'd agree, hundred percent. But the other side of that is, and this is what it comes down to: like the ladies and the camogie in every club, ninety nine percent of them are bestowed to the GEA because they're using their grounds, even though in a lot of clubs perceived well in a good few clubs like they will give equal status to the women in the club but still the grounds are belong to the men's element of the, of the club so they will have first call on it yeah but it's like it's something myself and taggy were absolutely stunned by this when we were talking about it earlier on we were going through like i i, I know myself i've limited experience in it but we were stunned to realise that that was the actual case that the camogie associations like we're both involved with clubs with camogie teams and things like that as well but they're the camogie teams are, are are just you know they're using our facilities as opposed to being equal members of our club, which it's a favour. Yeah, like t- yeah. to me that's it's it's just all wrong. And then another thing that's been pointed out to us as well is like the, the minor hurling championships are starting up next week for for the young lads, and and it's great, and we have them going back in the pitches. But the camogie association and the LGFA they're not they're not letting their minor championships go ahead. So. Like I don't know how unfair it is on on them young girls that they're not getting the opportunity to play. Like this this whole year was being pitched as twenty twenty equal status in sports. If you can't see her, if you can't be her, like I started the year off in Gorham Park by running a lady riders race 
specifically on the biggest day of the year in Gorham Park I put one race aside and I said it's lady riders only for this race and we were delighted to do it and we're delighted to have so many jockeys competing they don't get any you know they don't get any fair because they're they're a lady they you know Rachel Blackmore is riding against champion jockeys and competing yeah. for the championship but we did it that way and I just feel the more this year goes on it, it, I actually think it, it feels like we're going backwards Kate I think what it's done as well, I, I'm not necessarily thinking it's going backwards. I think what it's done is really highlighted the issues that women are fighting for and it's really highlighting like where the inequalities are. They're not maybe intentional, but when it comes to it, you know, you can really see them. And this, these are the things that I think they kind of sometimes have to come to the fore in order for people to say, well, you know what, we actually need to sort this out. And maybe this is the, you know, the push that the powers to be get to make some better attempts at amalgamating the tree and making it better and 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 at some at starting it somewhere yeah well you 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 had this discussed today in the Shannon like I mean the leader of the Shannon uh, complained I think it was yesterday evening she complained about how disappointed she was the way that the the, the two football teams were treated um by by you know just the way the whole thing panned out like I mean it's it's and even the, the the chairman of the ladies' GEA to say that if they if they hadn't taken as long in the dressing room, I couldn't believe that. Like, <laughs> like that, that that's nearly that's nearly kicking the face. Like, well, it is. Yeah, if, shocking. You know, to, to say that it took too long in the dressing room, I I don't know if it was actually Mary Hickey. You think that the president? I don't know whether she played camogie before, but you know, Kate, you're getting strapped, you're getting rubs. Uh, you're in physio rooms. You're doing all these bands now that wasn't even in my time. And uh, you know it takes time to get your head to, to get your body ready. Never mind your head ready. So for that to be said, a half an hour before a game, I thought w- w- was a bit poor. But you talk about equal status, and um, and you talk about the powers that be, like s- some powers that be maybe in the LGFA probably mightn't like to go under G- the GEA umbrella. Maybe that's what's holding it back. And that is possibly the case. Um. Like to make that comment, you know, is 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 disappointing from a ladies' player's perspective when she's the top of the association. And I believe that the girls were actually only in the dressing room for fourteen minutes, which nearly adds, you know, makes makes the situation a little bit worse. That you know, fourteen minutes or fifteen minutes is not a long time in a dressing room. You know, to get togged out, to get as you say, strapped use the toilet, whatever needs to be done, it, it, it's very short. And then they only had seven minutes as a warm-up. So, you know, it's just all very just dis- disappointing for a Galway team that were in an All-Ireland semi-final, which was a big day in their career, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Kate. Um, look, I, I think it, uh, it, it, as you said, I think COVID has after opened up a lot, a lot of issues there this year with different things and, you know, even the minor championship going ahead and, and the Camogie uh, underage is not going ahead. What, in your opinion, what do you see kind of far to resolve this issue? Do you think um, going under GA bracket is good for the Camogie situation and the LGFA, or like what way do you go about it? Would you think? I wouldn't say it's going under the GA. I think they have to amalgamate and cooperate and coordinate it a little bit, and maybe develop a pathway that in the next five years we'll move this far. And like it's obvious, it can't be done overnight. Like. There's a certain amount of history there that people, you know, kind of hold on to. So I'd like to see him kind of map out a pathway for the next short term, medium term. And in the long term, you'd like to say, look, it's not three organizations anymore. It's one. And it's a very strong organization for the population of Ireland that want to be involved in Gaelic games, not just for, 
you know, we're just looking after the men and we're just looking after the the, the women. Because, you know, like, I, I don't know, but in, in our house, like, all the women play the women's side and we're involved in the men's side of the club as well. And we're selling tickets and we're selling tickets for the men's side, we're selling tickets for the ladies' side. I just think a more joined-up approach would help at every level, from grassroots right up to the top. And I, I think if they develop some kind of pathway that in the first year we'll achieve this, the second year, the third year, um, towards amalgamating and, and cooperating more closely. And, and one, a one club model or a, a one membership model Okay, so, uh, I think I think you've hit the nail bang on the head there now, and uh, hopefully we'll have some, some cool heads like your own, um, kind of thinking this process out and, and 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 maybe progressing it because the last thing anybody'd want to see is situations like this recurring again next year and the year after. So, you know, I know it's a bit of bad publicity at the moment, and I know there's people going to be hurting that the whole thing has went on. But do you know what? Maybe maybe this this bit of publicity might be the catalyst that drives this whole thing forward and gets us all where we want it to be, which is, as you said, a, a full amalgamation of all the associations and we all play and operate under the one big umbrella. Yeah, definitely. Like, if you think of a, a two 12-year-olds, a girl and a boy, like, you know, they'd like to think they have equal status and then when they get to 18, they realise, actually, you know, we don't get to play in there because we have to ask for the pitches. You know, it's just those kind of things, I think, need to be ironed out and, you know, we need to be given the equal opportunities to our sons or our daughters no 100% yeah. uh, here's uh, and so say all of us Kate listen thanks a million for taking our call I, I really hope you enjoy your Christmas and you enjoy the, the All-Ireland Finals at the weekend I was saying at the taggy beforehand uh, we've this this podcast tonight now we've we've nine All-Stars and 12 All-Ireland medals between the three of us <laughs> so it's 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 a fair old whack there in the GEA so I wouldn't think there'll be any other podcast this week with more All-Stars <laughs> or All-Ireland medals hopefully not I wonder if they getting better but <laughs> <laughs> no you're brilliant thanks a million for that thanks, Kate. Kate thanks guys Good luck. That bye, was, of course, bye. Kate Kelly, uh, Wexford Camogie legend there with some very insightful stuff there, Tag. Wasn't it really, in fairness? Yeah, look, uh, she's been through it all. You know, 20, 21 years she's playing for, for Wexford there. Um, All-stars coming over, left, right and centre, all learns as well. So, look, she's very grounded, obviously, as well, just by talking to her. She just wants the best for the Camogie scene, really. She wants the, the best for the underage. She wants equal rights. And she wants uh, teams to be able to get pitches when they want to. And it's a fairly simple kind of a question because... The GA ethos is the community. It is starts underage, and if you go into any hurling field uh, over o- over Ireland, uh, there's young and old, and there's boys and girls all playing together at the one level, and then it just kind of peters out at a at a certain age. So it, it is important to bring it all together. I think. Yeah, definitely, and I have to say, my own experiences within the Camogie Association, like I can honestly say, from from a playing point of view, I remember one of the lads saying to me one time. You know, it's a driving your mad driving up and down to Wexford. And I told him I'd walk down to train that group because yeah. the effort to put in and the, the heart they gave. And I, I used to find it really hard because we trained in the centre of excellence the same as the Wexford hurling team. And we were we were damn lot better and a lot more <laughs> successful than the Wexford hurling team. But we didn't get the yeah. colour of what they were getting. These Wexford hurlers were driving in in their sponsored cars and they were getting... like they were. Yeah. I, I remember the Wexford hurling team we were coming off the pitch at the same time and we're on the left-hand side of the pitch and the girls are going in to get changed and the Wexford Hurling team are going off on the right-hand side into their caterers to get their chicken curries and stuff. That that was never going to happen for yeah. us. Yeah. And I, it's just things like that. 
and, and that's it, it drives that, me mad. And that's the case that you can see that everywhere, like they're not looked after as in the men's sport. That's just it's obvious to see when you walk into a hurling field. That, that that's obvious to see. But you, you said you enjoyed it so much, you'd walk down to it. And you've trained men's teams as well. Was there a different vibe tra- training women's teams towards men's teams? Um, there, there was like at the start at the very beginning there was a little bit they seem to kind of get a, a really good spirit together girls do for some reason yeah but Am girls right? will call you out like they, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's in real life as well no, <laughs> no but they, like, and, I, and I definitely you know I wouldn't say it girls will call you out what I, what I loved about the, the, the women is that they won't listen to bluffing like they're, they're not going to have that if you're bluffing mm. they'll, they'll call you out and they like there's certain players they'd be big characters and they'd say to you in training what, why are we doing that that makes no sense this is stupid a, a, a man will never do it if I tell a fella to do 50 laps of the field he'd grunt and he'd bite his teeth and he'd do the 50 laps if I said it to the, the women they'd say hold on a second this makes absolutely no sense why would we do 50 laps of the field now they'd, they'd do it but you'd bloody well know that yeah. you should have put a bit more thought into training but aside aside from that I didn't like I found the biting training was the same the intensity the passion the heart mm-hmm. and, and the biggest thing is the commitment to the game like like we were training three and four nights a week the very same as, as any other county team and them girls are in the gyms and, and they're doing the whole thing the yeah. same and I, I, I don't know I think I would say to you anyone that doesn't give the Colette Dormers and the the and Dalton's and the Denise, Denise Galls, Galls yeah, the yeah. respect that they deserve it, it just it tells me more about them than it does about the girls it, it really does it tells me that they know nothing about, about yeah, Camogie no for sure for what they're doing uh, at their level it, it's crazy um, all, all, the, all them girls what they're doing uh, that, as you said and Dalton the Denise Galls it, it's phenomenal and anyone that doesn't give them respect yeah doesn't know enough about her no 100% so look hopefully like Kate's after saying there that this this is going to highlight it and sometimes you need things to go wrong yeah sometimes look no publicity is bad publicity that would say yeah. so hopefully look maybe there could be meetings about it as you said it's been discussed in the doll or wherever the hell it was yeah. so like you know there, there's a start straight away no definitely we've one other game we have to talk about this weekend yeah, Tag, it's unfortunately it's 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 not the it's not the pairing that we would have hoped for oh. um, but it's a novel All-Ireland final first pairing of the two teams Waterford versus Limerick I'm after seeing more comments from Taggy Fogarty this week <laughs> than I've seen from anybody else alive you're yeah. going for a Waterford that's, win that's Cody the, out that's the, whole the, that's, the, that's social media Eddie and that's, the, that's journalism yeah you might say one line and they'll pick up in three words of it and they'll put it and print it and I'm after getting about a hundred texts and everyone oh you want Cody out now yeah 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 and I was actually on uh, was it, um, it wasn't off the ball it was uh, Matt Cooper actually Matt Cooper actually went straight for me he said uh, are you social distancing now from Brian Cody you know? and I said I always social distance from Brian Cody Matt it didn't take Covid for me to social distance from Brian Cody but uh, look the question was asked he said look every year the question is asked is Brian Cody staying or going and sure look you have to have the conversation about it uh, and I went through a few pros and cons should he go or should not and um, look it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to know Eddie it's like with, with Brian at the minute he brings a hard work he, work, he brings a kind of a, a, Kenny at the minute are a hard team to beat do you know and that comes from Brian Cody and if he goes will that go will the whole thing fall apart you, you just don't know or will a manager coming in revitalise the whole thing you just don't know now if you ask me it's going to be Brian Cody's decision anyway and should he go in my opinion no he shouldn't go Will the replacement for Brian Cody get five years to win in Ireland? Probably not. No, I was thinking about that over the last couple of weeks. I was trying to think who was the last manager that lasted five years in the Kilkenny job. Um, I couldn't find anyone uh, to tongue anyway. Um, so, probably not. Yeah, and I, and I mentioned it, like, massive record. And what he's done for Kilkenny Hurling is absolutely brilliant. Uh, but probably not. If there's anyone in five years out in Ireland in Kilkenny, probably will be gone. Yeah, I think I think to be fair to Brian and and to be fair to you as well because I am slagging a little bit too. I know I know <laughs> oh, you didn't actually uh, <laughs> cut in and say you want him gone. I think to be fair to him, 
He's done a huge amount for Kenny Hurland. Oh, yeah. And he's probably... Like the, the other way you could flip that question is, is there a better man to rebuild the Kenny Hurland team? Because when he went in and took them over, mm. it was a kind of a rebuilding job at that time as well. They'd, they'd gone a couple of years without Will and a lot Ireland and he rebuilt yeah. the whole thing. I, I, I would be a little bit worried. Now, hopefully it's a fad. I don't know. Hurland, the way they're playing through the lines, the way they're setting up, the whole lot. Kenny don't seem to have picked up with that. It's a bit like the Alec Ferguson at Man United. He stuck with the same game plan, the same football, the whole yeah. lot. Where the rest of the counties are changing and maybe... Maybe it's time to Kenny look at that and, and I don't know does that freshen up your backroom team or, or what way do you go about it? I don't see, know. He's freshened up his backroom team already. Like The boys are only in literally this year. You know, Martin, uh, DJ and uh, James and Gary. They're, they're all, relative, the two boys are, are new and James and Gary's there for a while but that's how he freshens it up. He freshens up the backroom team and sometimes he gets new physios in and this kind of thing. You know, so that's him freshening up the sides of it. Playing through the lines, he was a bit slow to change that tactic. Uh, that, that, that was found out this year he has played it through the lines. How good are they at it? How much practice have they added this year? Probably not a whole lot because of COVID and things like that. So there's so many different things that different angles that's coming into it this year alone. It's hard. It's hard to know. That's why you think he's definitely going to stay for next year. Oh yeah, no, no. And I think yeah. look, he's he, right. One hundred percent, he is. And I think I'd like personally if I if 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 you could write the book on how things had happened. Alec Ferguson finished managing Man United with a Premiership title in his hands, and I think. Mm. You know, it'd be fitting for Brian Cody to, to, to step yeah. down in Nolan Park in front of about 25,000 people at a homecoming with Liam McCarthy absolutely, and saying, listen, yeah. here, somebody else have a crack at it. Taggy and Eddie, you take over. And yeah. we'd say, thanks, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, thanks, Brian. The phone's hopping there, yeah. yeah and away you go. Yeah. But obviously the big game, the big the big game of the weekend uh, on Sunday in the men's in the men's section of it anyway is, is, the, is, the, is the novel pair in the Waterford and Limerick. Um, personally, like I am surprised that Waterford got to the final. I've been... I wouldn't say I've been a critic of Waterford, but I think in every round of the championship I tipped them to lose. So um, I'm going to stick with it this week, and I'm going to say that I think that Limerick will beat them again. But the Waterford team, they just they just keep impressing me more and more. Like like even the last day I said to you about Austin Gleeson, his first half was exactly what I was talking it to was, you about. Yeah. Dragging his hurl around, doing nothing. His second half, a bit of an exhibition. Now, I'm going to nail this one to you straight away. Waterford were in the ascendancy. Austin Gleeson then started to stand out because they were coming on. The full-time whistle went. Stephen Bennett had given man of the match. He was absolutely phenomenal. He gave an exhibition, scored 110. And RTE ran a piece for 45 seconds called Aussie, Aussie, Aussie to show all the great clips of Austin Gleeson in the second half. Now, I've had friends text me saying, what's your problem with Austin Gleeson? I've no problem with Austin Gleeson. I think he's a fabulous player. That section should have been dedicated to Stephen Bennett, who literally... Kept Waterford in the game when Kenny were battering them and in the second half dragged them through it. I, I don't know what your own taking. Gleeson was excellent in the second half. I've, I've, I'm not knocking him for one second. He was excellent in the second half. But if he puts in a performance like his first half performance against Limerick, he, 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 won't, he won't, might make the second half. Yeah, no, I would agree um, partially with uh, Eddie. Yeah, I think, um, I think running the piece um, for the 45 seconds on Austin Gleeson we discussed that. The media are all about Austin Gleeson and he might score a pint from an unbelievable angle and next thing not score for another half an hour or just go out again completely. And that's where that's coming. Stephen Bennett single-handedly dragged Water back into that team. You know, he sold it through the defence. He brought lads into the game. He was absolutely brilliant. The thing with Austin Gleeson is he's too inconsistent at the minute. Is that age? Is that youth? Is that too much things going on in his life outside of it? Um, I'm not so sure. If he performs the way he did in the second half in the Ireland final, he can nearly get an all-star um, because it's going to be semi-final, final stage. That's sometimes where they're picked. you know. And, that, and people they nearly want to give him to him because he's in the papers all the time. 
I've seen on papers where he's answered his critics. I don't think he has answered his critics. No way. Um, he had a great second half performance when Watford were so dominant. When Watford half back line were clean and Kilkenny out of it, and you know there was overlaps and there was Watford was just on the ball so much that he, he nearly had to get on the ball. Scored phenomenal points, played unbelievably well. But I don't think he's answered his critics. And even if he plays well in the All Ireland, I still think he has to put in another year of consistent hurling. This. Like and like I can, and I found it difficult as well to be consistent uh, playing hurling. Sometimes I, I wasn't consistent for years. I play a good match, not so good, good, not so good, and then other times it came all together. So it's very hard to get consistency. But great players are consistent all the time, and they step up in the big matches when you're under pressure. And Austin Gleeson hasn't done that for me. So he, for Waterford to win that game on on Sunday, he is without question going to have to stand up. They all are ready. Um, uh, yeah, without without a doubt, but he is definitely going to have to stand up. He's, yeah. he's one of the lynchers. Like you know, he's the backbone of a team. Um, Stephen Bennett for me has been the hurler of the year. Um, yeah, I well, think, it depends on who, Hegarty, obviously. Yeah, um, he's he's he's, yeah. he's Watford. Yeah, he's uh, Watford's best player. But yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no there's no two ways around it there. But like I, I seen in the semi final last day, um, Jake Dillon. I thought Jake Dillon was having quite a good year. I thought he was playing quite well. Ronnie said to me last week, he doesn't know what I've been watching. Um, because I've been I, I've been quite impressed by him and I found him very strong. But again, the Waterford manager, he's just ruthless. Seventeen minutes in, first water break, bang, gone. Yeah. Like Jesus, there was matches I hadn't even got my boots laced, <laughs> you know, after seventeen minutes. And if I got taken off, I'd, I'd I'd go home. And it's an awful thing to be taken off in the first half, especially. But after seventeen minutes, that just really knows when you're just it's not it's not going. Have you been there. taken off that early in a match? I've been taken off. Uh, I was actually was and I was playing well. I couldn't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna say that anyway. But uh, yeah, I was playing well. But it was up against. It was in Galway. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was against Galway in Tullamore. And I was playing well. It was myself, Colin Fenley. I think it was Henry in another corner. And uh, I was winning ball. I, I, I was. Um, I think I came across Colin Fenley, and he was going on and going, and, and he dropped the ball. And after that, I was taken off. And I went up to the the, the bench, and so it was gone to a stage where I was being taken off a lot of the time anyway, where I couldn't understand. You were the go-to man. I was the go-to man. It's kind of corner forward syndrome, you know. And I'm not making any excuses around. This is just what's happening. I went to the bench, and lads were just going, "How, how, how were you taken off?" And I actually stopped listening to that because it wasn't good for me mentally. So I said, "Look." I just control the controllables as we said earlier on in the show and and do it but it is a terrible feeling to be t- taken off 17 minutes and sometimes you know it, it, I don't know I've never been a manager maybe Eddie you could maybe elaborate but sometimes maybe in your head you nearly have a fella gone off in a match or maybe you're starting yeah. a fella that you're not too sure about and if it's going wrong you take him off quicker yeah in, 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 in your scenario first and foremost if I got a curly finger that quick I'd be grabbing the back of a hamstring or something for dignity's <laughs> sake going off the side of the field but the point that you're making about the corner forward syndrome and a manager having a pre-decision made, mm-hmm. it's something I'd always talk to my backroom teams about. Like, If you were in a club all your life, unfortunately, just say with your own club, if you were managing the team, every player in the club, you know them since they were kids. So you know in the tick of the battle whose head drops first, the whole lot. If I'm coming in to manage your club, I don't know that. And I don't want to know it. I learn what I'm going to learn on the field. So what yeah. I try and do is take the game as it is and if Taggy's going bad I don't care if he's my best player he's going bad I'm not taking off John who's playing well in the other corner to suit Taggy but an awful lot of managers do and I've seen it and, I, and I've been guilty of it I, I've looked at the end of a season and looked at the substitutions I've made and next thing I notice I'm after taking off number 15 in four games in yeah. a row like you know and yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of but that is, I think that's actually kind of changed especially at inter-county level because now it's all about 
staying, say if you look at uh, Limerick and Watford, say right for the All Ireland on Sunday, uh, Galan is going to stay in all the time. He's not, yeah. gonna, he's not going to venture out. Hutchinson is going to stay in all the time on, on the other side. So if you look at the last day against Kilkenny in the first half, Hutchinson wasn't getting the sneak for ball because it wasn't coming in from. He could have easily given him the curly finger. So I think maybe managers are now are saying right, especially Limerick. I think they, they have two game plans because lads are going to play sweepers. If a guy plays a sweeper, we're going to come from the half forward line and take our score from long distance. If there's no sweeper, we'll try to let it into the corners, play the best ball we can into, into your hand, lovely ball, but that's not going to work for sweepers. So the corner forward has to be the knowledge that, right, if there's a sweeper, I'm not going to get a, a, enough ball that I'd usually get because it's going to be coming in from the half hour line they're going to go for a long score so this communication is there is huge and it's changed I think a little Yeah I'd agree I think just just looking at this game itself just looking at it on its own right? Aaron Galan is still a major doubt Yeah um, Like I would say Aaron Galan would be a big loss to Limerick but I think it wouldn't be a I, I still think Limerick will win the All-Ireland even if Aaron I know this sounds terrible Limerick will be better without, with Aaron Galan but when you've subs like Peter Casey yeah, yeah, um, you know like, see the difference they made him come on the last yeah, 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 yeah like and I, I, I don't know like Peter Casey never starts like I don't know what he'd need to do um, like he, man him in a double didn't he yeah mm-hmm. but he's like Richie Hogan had a good game against Galway yeah. We were talking about it here. He started straight away. Peter Casey has never had a bad game. He's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer of yeah. Hurling. He's he's like is he just became a, a permanent sub on the on the Limerick team? Is he the Dublin finisher or what's the story there? Now if 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 your man is out, is he gonna start? Yeah, well, if, if Galan is out, you'd imagine Casey's going to start. Or Reedy. Reedy played ex- brilliantly the last day as well. He caught balls and everything. So, like, they, they have options on the bench, and that's one of the strong points for the Ireland final. It's it's a 20-man game. Now, what would happen as well if Colin Dunford and Conor Gleeson and these guys come on? But Limerick really have an impact bench, and they've always made an impact uh, through the whole year. And that's one of the bonuses for for Limerick uh, for, for the Ireland final. Do you pick him? Do you not? Like I think it's going to go. I think Aaron Glam will play. I uh, like all this thing that he's injured and stuff. It wants to take one hell of an injury to stop yourself playing in an Ireland final. Um, you know Henry Sheffield had half a cruciate there at one stage. He started in an Ireland final, so I think he'll start. Whether he lasts is a different is, is a different kettle of fish. So it, it's hard to know. But like Waterford are coming into this game, total underdogs, and I just think the whole thing is nearly set up for him. Um, you know what? Like what do you think? See. Like, like I've been lucky enough to have read some of the things and listened to some of the comments from you during the week so I kind of have my homework done on <laughs> sure some of the stuff you know everywhere I look it's, it's all you. the journalists are robbing ah, it on me Eddie and you're wearing the most gorgeous blue t-shirt as well. it was <laughs> yeah, lovely yeah, like, the whole thing yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was phenomenal and the blue and the statue all yeah. really well done real marketing great placements but one of the things that you'd, you'd kind of alluded to in it and like I, this this kind of a cliche thing that's put out it's, it's you know you've nothing to lose mm. you do you have, you have an All-Ireland final to lose um, and 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 them Waterford players that are going up there. But just to catch you on that point now, right? When they said nothing to lose, right? Oh no, I don't mean no, the, I know, you personally. No, but when people say that, it's it 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 obviously it's not the team saying that. It's more the 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 supporters won't be putting pressure on you. They'll, they'll be happy with it. Supporters will be. I, but I don't think so. I think like if you look at some of the crap, like I have friends from Waterford and they have inundated me with abuse all week. Like one of them. They're, they're taking bookings for this restaurant down in Waterford, okay? Uh, sure Pinks, Pinks in Waterford. They're taking taking Much bookings. Much of the pay now, Eddie. No, but <laughs> I, tell you, I tell you what, I did say to them was, are you taking bookings for the second half when the Waterford people that went in for the first half leave, mm. so then they can do a second sitting because yeah, that's yeah. what they did in the All Ireland final when Kilkenny humiliated them about five or six years back. But they forget that, right. and I think 
the Waterford people get carried away. They actually, they get hugely carried away. I was up yeah. there for the Kilkenny annihilation. I was up there for Galway. Now, there was no annihilation against Galway, to be fair. Galway only beat them by four or five points. But Waterford are convinced they're going to win the All-Ireland. So, because... Yes, right now, there's a divide coming out of Waterford. I think so. Mm. And I think... I think... Now, I'm not about the Waterford team itself. That yeah. team themselves, I hope they're convinced they're going to win the All-Ireland because you need to be. But the supporters, I, I think they think they're going to win the All-Ireland. And when they don't win the All-Ireland, they're going to be hugely disappointed. And you know yourself, Tag, if you know what I'm saying? If they're you, going to be disappointed, but they're not going to be cutting. Oh, yeah. No, no. I'd agree with that. They definitely wouldn't be like it. But I think in Limerick, Limerick are expecting to win the All-Ireland. Like, they went a long, long time without winning an All-Ireland. And I think the Limerick supporters... They're not. They're not that hard either. Like they're not. Do you know what? They're not. They're not like Kilkenny. They're not like Curry. They're not like Dublin. Like they're. Yeah. These are two. If you were going to be mediocre at a hurling and be mediocre at levels, these are the counties you'd like to live in. Because <laughs> the supporters are so nice. <laughs> it's true. It's probably. It's probably success. It's probably tradition. It's probably a bit of culture. Um. You know. You, you associate Kilkenny. You associate the Corks, and you associate the Tips with uh, winning our Ireland and having to be keep winning silverware to be successful and in these counties they really take it to heart I know the Kerry boys down there they are disgusted with Kerry being gone out of the Munster Championship uh, being beaten by Cork their manager he owns a shop um, I can't it's a super value I don't know where it is but he hasn't been seen in the shop since you know, he'd be lynched down there so that's that's how serious Kerry guys take their football and their, take their sport and I understand say from a Limerick's perspective they didn't win it I know they won it in 2018 but before that they didn't win it for years 61 years for Waterford so it is a friendlier atmosphere I think you're dead right yeah and then it's back to what we were talking about earlier on in the football this this game this game on Sunday it's 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 it's, it's going to be played on its own merits you're you think it's kind of written in the stars for Waterford well when I said written in the stars I said there's a lot of things going for them um, I still think Limerick are the more battle-hardened team. I think they have the more experience. I think their work rate is a lot better than any of the teams that they would have came up across. Like, Limerick have beaten Clare, Tip, Waterford and Galway. Waterford beaten Cork. Don't like a physical. They've beaten Clare. Uh, like the, the running game as well. And lost against Limerick in the month's final and obviously beat Kilkenny. How good are Kilkenny? They're a good team but not a great team. So... Limerick probably had the harder run in to the to the All Ireland final, and I think the hurt from last year also is a huge motivate. Like when you lose in All Ireland, oh, sorry, when you get knocked out of the, uh, the championship, um, when I'm talking about losing All Ireland, it's basically is losing the All Ireland. And when they were kind of favourites, and when the, the, the manner in which they lost it, Kilkenny bet them a bit, and rightly so. But they drove eighteen wise that day. That'll be sick, and that, they would have learned a lot from that. I think they've been stumbling through the championship a little bit, haven't clicked all the way through. So will they click? Or will they not click on Sunday? So these are all the things you know you have to. Talk and it's, about. if you come back to if you come back to the crowds not being at the game, yeah, I like I think crowds at a match, and this is again from not having experienced it. But if you're used to playing in front of eighty thousand people in Crow Park, playing in front of eighty thousand people in Crow Park is not going to be a problem for you. You're used to it. You're doing it the whole time. Limerick, I think, <coughs> pardon me, are probably better to be playing in front of the bigger crowd than Waterford. But one of the things that I asked you about earlier was the physicality as in proper belts driven into it. There's nobody in the crowd. You can hear you can hear the subs shouting onto the pitch at each other. That's how quiet it is. And is it because there's no crowd? Like, that first ball that goes in, when you're in that parade before a match, I heard Tommy Welch on News Talk a few years ago talking about the parade. And I remember reading an article in the paper the next day that this woman 
turned around to her husband and said, that must be so match. It, it sounds mad. And the husband said, it's the parade he's talking about. And <laughs> Tommy was... Tell Tommy, Tommy going mental yeah, off the ball. You know, yeah. going, going cracked. Yeah. But the hairs are standing up on your back. You know, every part of your body is tensing up. You're ready to go. The crowd is driving you on. A ball comes in and you are going to win that ball, whether it kills you or that man, you're coming out with that ball. When you take the crowd out of the stadium, like, Taggy, you've done it. Do you feel the roar of the crowd coming behind you when you catch that ball and you slap it over the bar? That roar lifts you. Does that get Taggy Fogarty another foot? It's a very strange one to describe. Um, you know, obviously, you know the crowd is there, but the parade thing, right? The, the parade, it's a dangerous place, the parade. Um, you can get lost in the parade. Like, even before the match starts, um, I keep my head down, look at the grass, and just and just walked around. And then I was coming towards the latter ages of my career, and I said, "No, I'm gonna look up now and take Enjoy it all this, in." Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, so th- I suppose I was in different sides of the actual life. Do you know, I, I was more mature, I, I was a bit more experienced now. The same game was taken off, so that's probably didn't, <laughs> that probably didn't work, work to my advantage. Um, but it 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 is, and when you hear the roar and you get the ball put over the bar. You don't really soak up that atmosphere. You're just so focused on the game and the next ball and the next ball. Um, I remember, say, the 2006 where I got man in the match, I scored the goal. I didn't celebrate it. I didn't, uh, um, you know, I didn't go mental. I I just went back to my position, you know, because we were so, I didn't want Atten to kind of upset me performance, put me off. So, yes, the crowd is there and that's where communication is. Joey, you can, he- you can actually hear the guys calling for the ball now. I, I like I'm not I'm two meters away from you Eddie here now. If I shouted and roared at you in Crow Park, there's no way you'd hear me. That's 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 the atmosphere of the crowd. When you miss a ball, you hear the ooh. When you get the ball over the bar, it's yeah. So like it's 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 an emotional roller coaster up there. But on the day, it's grand. It's 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 the build up as well. It's the build up of tickets. They won't have to get tickets. Um, that's an awful drain if you're not used to it. Um. You know, lads ringing you, looking for, oh, I my eyesight is bad. Can I get three lower Hogan now on the, the intersection? You know that kind of way? Uh, guys in the street talking to you can drain you. Talking about the match constantly. Who's playing, who's starting, that can drain you. I'm just saying the Watford guys aren't meeting this side of it. And I think it's good for them because they're in their bubble. And the Ireland will kick off on Sunday at half three. And there'll be no roars. And there'll be no real, you know... That, that that walking behind the band you can lose your head there the guys shouldn't lose their heads there because they're used to it now they played in Croke Park with no crowd so I think it's an easier aspect to them and I think it won't be a drain on them mentally and they don't have to even build up for it and they've experienced Croke Park empty They if they were going up to Sunday to 82,000 people it's a different it's a, it's a different experience and the game itself like the ball will get thrown in the two teams will go flaking at it they'll stop for a water break Waterford's Waterford have handled the water breaks very well, but but so have Limerick. I don't I don't mean this like they're the two counties that have probably managed their water breaks the best. Um, now in the first game, Kilkenny take Kilkenny against Waterford the last day. Waterford went in at half time. There were nine points down at one stage just before half time. He got a couple of points, yeah. but then at half time, seven points down, and 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 the rest is history. Came back out in the second half, but I think. The first water break kind of stopped the Kilkenny onslaught, if you know what I mean, and, and Waterford started easing into the game. Uh, Limerick against Galway, I think Limerick, it was like they were playing to the water break, then getting a breather, and then, you know, trying to go through the gears like they were nearly picking up the gears because it's something that I've heard so many people saying, you're probably going to agree with me now again, but Limerick still haven't hit fifth gear in this championship. Like, they're playing in fourth gear. 
Somewhere between third and fourth. Yeah, they are. Uh, Watford have hit fifth gear, fifth gear. Well, the second half performance against Kilkenny, how bad were Kilkenny, how good were Watford, but they've definitely hit four, four and a half, near the fifth gear. Uh, Limerick definitely haven't. Um, and the question is, will they on Sunday or will they not? Uh, it, it's hard to know. It's like as if they're gearing for this or Ireland final, that they're just getting through the matches, getting through the matches, and this is the big one for them. Um, Watford on the other side, right, they're, they're coming in, the other, they're, they're underneath the cost and they, if they hit the ground running if they run direct and it's going to be all this middle third it's going to be the half back line midfield half forward line that's where the game technically is going to be won what I would worry about Watford is they love to carry the ball so when they're coming out of the fence they carry the ball to around their own 65 and then they like to play in lovely ball into Hutchinson and Fagan and the guys Limerick are specialists like Kenny were but Limerick are specialists in overturning possession coming out of the Waterford full back line, if they overturn possession, then there's the danger. Limerick are absolutely brilliant at it. So that's one failing where I'd see for Waterford is if they get caught in possession, what's going to happen? Limerick, you're right in what you're saying about the turnovers of possession, right? But you're so vulnerable. When you turn over, if, you come out, if your team, if you're Waterford and you're coming out breaking on me and we turn over the possession, and now Limerick have the ball, Waterford are at their most vulnerable right that second, the minute the turnover is taken. But yet, Limerick, who we both agree are probably the best at turning over the ball, they're just not scoring goals. Yeah, no, they're not scoring goals. Will they need goals to win the All-Ireland on Sunday? They will. This game is going to be a high-scoring game. I, I think it's going to be something like 225 to 322 or 3. I think it's going to be really, really high-scoring game because I think Waterford are just going to run at them. They're just going to go for them. They're going to throw off the shackles and that's going to leave them vulnerable at the back. And I think Limerick, with the way Waterford are going to play they're not going to play defensively they're going to have sweepers they're going to have movement of course all that practice there's so many things going on in the game that I think Water, Limerick are going to go at them and there's going, to, there's going to be goals on both sides and I think you're going to have to get goals to win their learning So like, we can we could talk about the game all day and, and, and we'd probably get none, none, the, none the stronger for it Yeah who do you think is going to win the game and why would you would you say it? Like That I, was I, my question to you Eddie Well I, I, I'll give it to you straight I think, I think Limerick are going to win the game yeah. and I have a fear that if Limerick are only in fourth gear, and this is something like I I listen to this a lot in sport. Oh, these asking these lads haven't got out of fourth. These haven't got out of fourth. If Limerick haven't got out of fourth, and have done what they've done to everybody in the championship, won comfortably without looking a drop of pressure on them, if they come out into fifth gear against Waterford, I I, I think Limerick could run up a score here. I think Limerick, like this is if you had told me six months ago that Limerick and Waterford would be playing each other in the All Ireland final, I'd have told you you're mad. Now. I've had a lot of people tell me that Waterford have been very good this year and they have and they've improved and, and in fairness to the guy that's got him managing them he's doing a brilliant job with them and they're super but uh, I, I think Limerick will win and I think they'll win because of Kyle Hayes Keane Lynch mm. Hegarty they've too many they've, 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 they've seven Stephen Bennett's whereas Waterford have only one that's that's my opinion anyway Ty. yeah no um, I think myself Limerick going to win I think it's going to be a tight match though uh, I think it's going to be a high scoring game Um. You kind of mentioned on something there as well. You said um, Keane Lynch is that the matchups are huge. Like, you know, you have Ty DeBorca, Keane Lynch, uh, you have Colm Hayes on Groad Hegarty, Flanagan on Prunty. These these are massive matchups. But if you look at the teams that Watford played, the Cork, Clare, and Kilkenny, I think the Limerick team on their day are far better than them. And as you said, they're in fourth gear. If they hit fifth gear, what's going to happen? Kyle Hayes running up from the wing back line. Groad Hegarty, Tom Morrissey, Keane Lynch in the half-forward line. 
uh, Mulcahy, Flanagan full fight. Like, there's too many guys that are just excellent hurlers. And if they click on fifth gear, I think they will win. But I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. And I think Waterford will show off the shackles and... It is set up for him in Wales. It is. But if you're if you're if you're Limerick, you know, you're looking at the match and you're saying, right, I need a man marker to pick up Stephen Bennett. Right? A hundred percent. They're gonna have you're gonna man mark. Yeah. He's gonna be man marked. He's gonna be on uh Derek Burns. And right. He's, so, he's excellent. A very good player. So he's gonna be man marked. Now, the reason I'm putting this to you there, if you if you look then, say for argument's sake, Austin Gleason is going to full back, Dan Morrissey picks him up. Not 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 the end of the world, right? It, it's there. But it's the problem is on the other side, on, on the Limerick side. Limerick have so many players that need to be marked. Like, Kyle Hayes is playing left half-back at the moment. Mm. He is spending as much time in the half-forward line as the half-back line. Whoever lines out Mark and Kyle Hayes, or, you know, on that wing position on Kyle Hayes, it's going to have to, I think, if you're a wing forward, and I, I'm telling you, Tag, you're going to have to give up your game to make sure he doesn't hurt us coming out of the defence. Yeah, um... That's a very good point. Uh, we did it with um, Parag Maher. We put Eddie Brennan on him yeah. um, to kind of essentially mark him, but play play a forwards role as well. Uh, but def- but definitely mark him. Now the thing the thing in all this, we were talking about matchups and managers will put this lad and that lad and this lad and that lad. You can't mess up your whole team for the sake of other people's best players. Uh, first of all, you're giving them an advantage. You're playing into their hands. You're playing into their strengths. So yes, there is one or two guys that you'll have to man mark. But changing your own team strategy is a disaster. You have to have your own confidence in your own players. And to be fair to Watford, Jack Fagan, Kieran Bennett, Stephen Bennett, the half-forward line, is a very, very good half-forward line. Stephen Bennett and Jack Fagan were catching balls over to anybody's heads the last day, like no man's business. Desi Hutchinson and Austin Gleeson in the full-forward line, you know, would destroy a lot of teams on their day. But I feel, with Limerick, their work rate from the forward, the Galan, the Flanagan, the Mulcahy, they tend to win the dirtier ball than the Hutchinsons, than the Aussie Gleasons and the Jack Pendergrats. And it's it's going to come down to kind of winning the hard ball. Like if they get lovely ball, any forward can destroy you. You know, it, yeah. it, it's a forward game. But I just think the, the, the Limerick forward line win their own dirty ball more so than the Waterford forward line. They do, it definitely. And But the, the other one I would say about Waterford, and it's, it's, a, it's a very positive for them, is their half-back line. Callum Lyons is having yeah, where did he come out of? I don't know but by God <laughs> which I, I just think he's an exceptional forward playing in the half back line um, like he's going to have to now pick up one of Limerick's wing forwards one of their two two of their best players if you know what I mean in, in that half forward line yeah. Tom Morrissey Garrod Hegarty he's, he's more than likely going to have to mark one of them yeah. that's it's surely going to limit him in, in how much he's going to be able to bring on the game pressing forward and I just it's just when I look at the game I'd actually like Waterford to win the match. Now, anyone that knows me will think I'm lying by saying Look, I'd he could, like... he could be Roger Waterford or Larry <laughs> no, for God's sake. I would. Like, my brother-in-law, he was my best man when I got married. Anton is a strong Waterford man and, yeah. and, I, and I'd be delighted for him for him to win it. But at the same time, I'm not going to tell lies and say that I expect him to win it because yeah. I don't. And I think it's because of players like Callum Lyons who I never heard of until this year but I've been so impressed by him on Sunday, his job is going to completely change because if he plays with the free role that he's been given, someone like Garrod Hegarty is going to absolutely obliterate you. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And look, I know you're, you're picking out the names, right? And see, this this happens with teams. Um, you have Limerick, who are our Ireland champions two years ago, been playing brilliantly. All these names are household names now. The Hegarty's, the Lynch's, the Marcy's. But if Waterford win on Sunday... 
they'll be household names in literally a week. They'll say Callum Lyons did a job in Hegarty. Uh, Prunty was unbelievable. Uh, you know, Jack Fagan uh, is the new, you know, uh, Paul Flynn down there. So it's success. And that's that, that success brings household names and gives confidence to players. So if they win on Sunday, they'll be, you know, Limerick will be, oh, no, Limerick won't be able to win their Ireland and they're not good enough and this crack. So it's, 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 I'd love to listen to this podcast maybe on Tuesday <laughs> just to see what the story is. But it, it is a flip side, but I agree. I, I think there's too much in this Limerick team and I think uh, they've won a lot of underage as well and they're playing together. It's a more structured team, I feel, and they're more used to playing their system, I suppose. Yeah, no, I'd I'd have to agree on it. Look, I think I think we've we've covered an awful lot on on, on tonight's show. Um, the Camogie at the weekend is obviously the big one for yeah. for us here in Kilkenny. Uh, you know, personally, I I, I I really really would like to wish the, the lads the the absolute best of luck. Talking to Kate earlier on, I I did I you would ask me a couple of weeks ago how far would Kilkenny get in the All Ireland this year in the Camogie, and I said they'd win it, and I said mm. you asked about the Cork game, and I had no doubt in my mind they were going to be Cork, but then listening to Kate. She'd expected that Kilkenny team to get beaten by Cork. She did. Um, and I've no doubt, and Kate is as straight as the come, and she was genuinely convinced they were going to lose She knows there. her stuff, she's gone to the matches, she's been there. Yeah, right? she's seen every game live, and it, I'd forgotten how good Galway were, and mm. the one thing I would say to you is, Galway played Tipperary in the semi-final this year, and Tipperary, Tipperary smothered a game, so you, you mightn't, you, you, you won't have seen Galway play because in Porky Cueve in that game Tipperary would have killed the game caught the van at full forward everything would have been buried into her mm-hmm. and the rest of them would have stopped it whereas Kilkenny will go out and try and play and Galway will go out and try and play and the, 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 the team are going to have this is going to be their solid biggest test and just listening to Kate and it kind of reminded me we played Galway in an All-Ireland semi-final a number of years ago and I remember sitting down when we were picking the team the the, night, the week before we were picking the team and I remember sitting down looking at the Galway team to try and get our matchups right yeah. and I was like ah, there's too many players you know, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying earlier on you yeah. can't change your whole game plan for no, players no this <laughs> is it and I just I just look I, I, I really wish the lads the best of luck I think they've the abundance of experience um, all of them right through it and then even the point that was made about the amount of players that have missed out on this year Katie Power uh, the young Quilty girl yeah. uh, the few players out injured like I mean Katie picked up a nasty injury again huge but loss massive like but they're here, they're in an All-Ireland final again and do you know, I said at the start of the year I thought they were going to win I think Brian Dowling's brought in a brilliant bit of freshness and yeah. I, I really hope I'm right. Yeah, no, you, you said it a while ago uh, here Eddie that um, you fancy Kilkenny. Um, just interesting to note, John, Kilkenny seems to be more in the limelight for some reason but Galway are Ireland champions like. Uh, but it seems to be Kilkenny in the media all week long. I'm reading articles uh, by the Kilkenny girls, you know, uh, Denise Gall and I don't know if it's just the media thing but Galway seems to really coming in under the radar I see I wonder about that sometimes like everything I'm seeing this week is about Waterford and Kilkenny and it's I, I'm just wondering is it kind of the algorithm of where we're based that we're in the southeast that our news feeds automatically direct us towards news from our area I, what I would say to you is if we were living in Banlaslow would we be hearing about the Galway build up so a lot it, more? It's the phone algorithms telling us what to. Yeah, no, I agree. Sounds yeah. nuts. Sure, look um, at Instagram and social. Well, I, I picked up an article <laughs> from the, the the Times in London, the Times in London about, I think it was about Denise Gall. It was Denise Gall or Anne Dalton. There was an article Times in London. Yeah, and I read it on. You know, you've met it if you're in the Times in yeah, London. But that's what, the first thing that struck me was yeah. uh, like, what's she working at? Like, I was waiting for you know something to do with Brexit or something to come up and it wasn't it was about the Camogie All-Ireland final yeah. look it's great if it's getting that type of a reach but yeah. you, you are right There's, there seems to be no talk about, about there Galway there doesn't um, 
look, you, you just have to wish him the best of luck. Um, three losses in a row. I know I spoke to Kate about it. Uh, she doesn't really think it's a factor. Um, but I think it's a factor after it. Do you know, it's just a sickening, sickening feeling not to get not to get it. And you just, massive effort gone in by everybody. As you said, Dowling has done an absolutely brilliant job. Brought in a lot of fresh blood as well. Um, you know, and I say fresh blood, I think these guys are 32 and she's came back from travelling and she's she's back on flying again. So um, you just have to wish them the real best of luck. And uh, yeah. Uh, you'd hope they win it no fingers crossed but sure look that's that's it for the Clash Act for this week hopefully we'll be back for week 4 next week to talk about Kilkenny winning a Camogie All-Ireland Final yeah. Limerick and Waterford playing out a, a classic hand <laughs> we can break the news that the whole GA is just going to amalgamate <laughs> under one big umbrella we'll have, it's just a red button you press that's it <laughs> <laughs> it'll have been a great day's work thanks a million Taggy thanks a million